0: Hello and welcome to Plot This is Lane. This is Meg.
1: And today we're reviewing The Governess Affair by Courtney Milan.
0: So this is the prequel uh, to the Brothers Sinister series. And we have already reviewed the first in the series, The Duchess War. So if you're interested in hearing our thoughts on that, we published that back in August or September. So take a look.
1: And, and this, this book was published was- in 2012. That's correct.
0: Okay. Here's the jacket. Hugo Marshall earned the nickname the Wolf of Claremont for his ruthless ambition, a characteristic that has served him well, elevating the coal miner's son to the right hand man of a duke. When he's ordered to get rid of a pestering governess by fair means or foul,
1: it's just another day at work. But after everything Miss Serena Barton has been through at the hands of his employer, she is determined to make him pay. She won't let anyone stop her, not even the man that all of London fears. They might call Hugo Marshall the Wolf of Claremont, but even wolves can be brought to heel. That's not terrible jacket. I mean, this is a novella. This is a novella, yes. So first and foremost, there's not much happening here, and that also means that short of, like, spoiling the entire book, the jacket doesn't have a whole lot to work with. Mm-hmm. So while I think the fact that this um, book is tragedy porn is not really conveyed, I also think if you're trying not to like spoil the whole plot, it was hard to write a jacket. Yeah. All right, well, we
0: generated a random number. That random number was 14, and then we used that number to write our own summaries. Uh, so I will go ahead and start and then Lane will follow. So here's mine. Duke's fixer lands in a fix when he must decide between morals and employment. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I mean that's that's basically that's the book. Yeah, so my summary, which gives away um a lot, so like spoiler warning stop here. Virgin get raped and impregnated, but is saved by her rapist. Wolf hated this.
0: So Lane um, Lane hated this book. <laughs> and he, so here's, here's the thing. Uh, maybe, okay, so here's the thing. Courtney Milan writes this book. Courtney Milan is a really good writer. Her stuff is really good. We've really enjoyed The Duchess War, so that's one that we really, really liked. We've also liked um, her Turner series as well. So she's written stuff that we've really enjoyed. For me, one of the hard things about reading Courtney Milan is that she takes on very serious social issues in her books, and she treats them in a really realistic way. On the one hand, this is really important, and it's really good, and she's doing very important good work for the romance genre. On the other hand, part of the reason I read these books is to get away from sexual abusers being on the serene court for example so when i go to read a novella this is what 150 pages long it's going to take me an hour hour and a half to read and the whole thing is like every other page is just more about rape drunkenness beating there's a woman who has agoraphobia um you know it's just like it's it doesn't take you away from real
1: life Right. There's not a huge escapism factor here. Yeah. And I think the other thing, just to expand on what Meg said, I'm not critiquing Courtney Milan as a writer. And I do think that to a degree, counter to my usual rants about a lot of times rape is used in these books as the worst thing that can happen to a woman. And so it ends up being really reductive. I do think she's more adept at handling the issue than that. And usually, when she has these like great tragedies in her books, it's great to see people who would usually be viewed as victims as objects of sexual desire for reasons other than their victimhood. Mm-hmm. Like I do think she handles these issues very adeptly. I did not enjoy reading this at all.
0: Yeah. So I I enjoyed it more than Lane did, but it's still a a tough read for me. Um, still tough for me to read it.
1: So, outside of all the different types of tragedy, were there any tropes here? Well,
0: I mean, we have the ruined woman, of course. So, there's a woman who's been ruined one way or the other. In this way, it's the usual way, uh, which is that she had sex with a man.
1: So, let's just delve into her story in full right here, real quick and dirty. Um, she was a virgin. Who yeah. had been left destitute when her parents died And this was like her first job So when the visiting Duke At the establishment where she was now working Came to her bedroom and said Don't make a sound If you do, they'll fire you She um, Was then raped And he was spied leaving her bedroom So they came and checked her bed sheets And when they saw blood, they fired her And then whoop, she was pregnant
0: that's what happens to Serena. So I mean that's her backstory right there. You know, it's it, we've we read this trope a lot. It's the governess who's ruined by either the employer's son or a guest at the employer's house. Mm-hmm. So that in and of itself is it's nothing new. I think the way she's treated here as Lane said is is a little bit different because she's not Treated as a victim It's not treated as the worst thing that can happen I mean yeah it's not a great thing And it has ruined her life In some ways but she's determined Not to see herself as a victim Yep Okay So then uh, we have the man who Can't get married or love this person Because he's got to
1: make something of himself So he has severe PTSD from a father who beat Him and his mother and Mm -hmm. all Of his other 15 siblings Yes.
0: Yep. And so he's got, this is such a trope. He's got something to prove to his father, his dead father. Well, he had no idea if his father was dead or not. Well, yeah, but. He ran away from home
1: at 14 and his father is still haunting him.
0: He knew his mother was dead. He knew his mother was dead. Um, His father is probably dead, but he hasn't spoken to his father or whatever in however many years after he left.
1: He does Uh, find out at the end his father is dead, but he doesn't know it while he's making all these decisions. There
0: you go. Um, but he's decided to prove his father wrong, even though he's never seen his father and doesn't plan on seeing his father. So this is something that we see uh, in a lot of these books, actually. Yeah. So
1: that's yeah. Uh, so he's the bad boy who isn't actually bad. Like, on the one hand, he's ruthless, but every time you get an idea of his ruthlessness, it's not even bad. For example, the obvious stuff, like no drinking, no cursing, no heart hurting women, fine. But he talks about how the first real ruthless act he undertook as the Duke's man was to expose one of the Duke's debtors as a slave trader. Yeah. And thereby embarrass him publicly and ruin him. He's like, cool, that might have been ruthless, but dude was a slave trader. Exactly. So
0: they, they build Hugo up to be ruthless, terrible bad boy, blah, 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 right? But he very obviously is not. He has never actually had a moral dilemma. Working for his employer. But other
1: than knowing his employer is a bad person, so Meg, I think the reason he works for this employer is another trope. (laughs)
0: Yes, yes. So why does he work for this guy? Well, he wants to make money, but he also has... He doesn't actually work for him, so he's not his employee. He has made a bet with his employer that he can dig him out of this hole that he's found himself in, a financial hole, uh, and if Hugo can do it, then he's going to get paid off. He's going to get money for it. But it's a bet. It's not. So he's not working for him. He's not employed by him.
1: But it's also unclear because as far as I can tell, Hugo doesn't stand to lose anything. It's very odd. Because he even conceives of it as a bet. Right. Yes. He said if after the end of this period of time you are financially solvent, you owe me 500 pounds. Yep. But it's not like it's a, and if I'm wrong, I do this for you. It's a very one-sided bet.
0: It's a very one-sided bet.
1: Hugo can fix his problems.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Yes, they are.
1: And uh, Hugo, I think, is sort of a a different take on a trope we see often, which is the man who does everything. Mm -hmm. Usually we see it from the Duke or the aristocrat's perspective. Yes. Where we hear all about the man of affairs who's awesome and excellent and all-knowing and friends with the people. And while Hugo isn't the Duke's friend, he is his bodyguard, estate manager, accountant. And it's yeah. interesting because in the next book in this series, which, as Meg mentioned, we've already reviewed, the next Duke's man of affairs is Hugo's son. And they very much have that traditional dynamic you're used to seeing from aristocrat and man in these yes. books. Exactly.
0: I guess I won't spoil it. Know, <laughs> there's, but like, there's another relationship there. That's all I'll say.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. But, like, tell me that that's not pretty standard, that there is another relationship there and that the man of affairs is actually more tied into the family than you knew. Yes, exactly.
0: Um, so I, I think – so this is a novella. I really enjoy reading romance novellas, even though the, we do miss out on a lot of the character building, which is what I say I really like about the books. You also
1: usually mix out on some of the sex.
0: Yes. You do. You miss out on some of the sex, but there's still at least one good sex scene in there. Right. But one is one. Yes. But for a Courtney Milan book, what you're probably going to get anyway, (laughs) let's be honest. Okay. See the point. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I I do really like romance novellas. I like I what my favorites are actually are those com, those compendiums that usually have four little novellas in them. Um, because you you get a taste of different authors. Anyway, there's you can uh, FYI you can get this book for free on Kindle. So it's a free um, prologue, which they do sometimes, you know. So you can get this book for free. Um, so we read it as a sort of standalone. We didn't read it in a compendium, but um. I think that this one is a pretty good example of a romance novella and that you get a good idea of the connection between the characters and why they end up together. Oh, even definitely. Though, even though they they only know each other for about five days.
1: Um, but yes. they're committing to each other after five days is not because you're supposed to believe they've solved all their problems in that time period. Yes. So it's a little bit less eye y Like, yeah, yeah, okay, they're in love and they have to overcome it, but they're not even admitting it yet. Like, it's a little less love at first sight.
0: Yes, yes. it's it's de- it's definitely not love at first sight. I think it's a if you can handle the heavy issues, I think it's a very good example of a romance novella.
1: But spoiler alert, we haven't even gotten to all the heavy
0: issues. <laughs> no, we have. We haven't. We haven't gotten there yet. Do we do we want to talk about offensiveness before we talk about the denimont? I
1: mean, I put up front that this whole thing was a spoiler because I was not gonna be careful okay. about it. So. so
0: let's let's talk about the denouement because I I liked it and I didn't like it. I wanted more. So the, the whole point of this of Hugo's character, right, is that he needs to make something of his health. He wants to get this money, he wants to prove his father wrong, that he can be a success. Not only that, if he gets this money then he can support his wife and his family in very fine fashion. No, he
1: doesn't really think about that. He says he never intends to be married.
0: No, I know. But I'm saying now he is married, and so he should have this additional thing on there. So, yeah, I I realize that when he set out and started the bet, that's not what he meant. Uh, But now he does. I feel like it would be even, even more motivation for him to get the money.
1: Oh, quick pause. Um, the Duke that Hugo works for is the rapist.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't think we've made that clear.
0: Oh, yeah. The the Duke that Hugo works for is the rapist. And then the problem that the Duke wants him to fix is Serena. So basically, the Duke is like, make her
1: go away. Because if my wife finds out, I'm dead. Yeah, I'm dead. Or I I'm not a loss, importantly. Yeah.
0: And so Hugo actually fulfills this request by marrying Serena and then sending her out into the country. So he marries her, sends her away. He has actually gone ahead and fulfilled fixed the Duke's issue, right? But instead of waiting the month, two months, three months, because he's almost at the very end of this bet, he's only got maximum three more months left Mm -hmm. to fulfill the bet. And then he'll get the money that he wants. Instead of waiting out the three months, he goes to the Duke and like beats him up a little bit. Oh, because FYI, I guess Hugo was a boxer. (laughs) So he really packs a punch. Um, So he beats up the Duke, makes the Duke write down that, you know, what he did that I basically write down, I am a rapist and I will support my child in one way or the other. But then, Instead of getting money from the Duke, he just leaves and then shows he shows the note to the Duchess. So the Duchess is pissed and cuts off the Duke, but yet he doesn't get the money. And so he goes to live in poverty with his with his new wife, Serena.
1: So this is the deal. Serena had been holding out, hoping to negotiate funds and status. For her unborn child. Yeah. The deal that Hugo is able to orchestrate. Involves funds but not status. But at that point he offers to marry her. To at the very least legitimize the child. And their boy could thereby confer a certain degree of status. Like yes they will not be nobility. But he also won't be a bastard. And she won't be a fallen woman. Mm-hmm. But the amount agreed to is 100 pounds. The amount Hugo is owed at the end of this is 500 pounds. So while they won't be living in poverty with a hundred pounds because she's used it to start a business and yada, 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 I totally wish that, and this is very counter typed of my type. Usually I totally wish he'd like waited out the full time, not just taking his 500 pounds, but at that point he admits that he's got tons of dirt on this dude. Yes. Blackmail him. Like, Take all the money you made for him and run away with it. Yes. And be loaded in the countryside. Who cares? This guy is an awful monster. And yes, punching him and telling his duchess who controls the purse about it is like one kind of revenge. But I would have liked it more. I think if he and Serena had agreed after their wedding night that she was going to go away so that he could, finished getting the money and they were in it together and they were writing hot, sexy, erotic letters while apart. Yes. So that he could felt, because if she was there, they can't pull off the plan because his whole job was getting her to go away. Yes. And then like bathing in pools of the Duke's money, like Scrooge McDuck. Yes. I was so, I was like, am I
0: a horrible capitalist person because I wanted that money for them.
1: Me too. So I mean, I I also I think the other thing though is I wanted them to be on the same team.
0: Yeah, 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 because he sends her away and he doesn't tell her what he's doing.
1: And he doesn't even know what he's doing, really.
0: Yeah. I mean, and on the one hand, I understand, like I understand what Courtney Milan is doing. Like she wants she wants Hugo to be, like ethical from start to finish. You know, and he
1: was also so motivated by money at the end of the book that picking love over money at the end is clearly a sign of his character development. But, like, look, love is great, but money is also necessary. Right. Exactly. <laughs>
0: exactly. So I, I wanted to get – I wanted to squeeze more money out of the Duke. Same. But anyway – all right. So offensiveness and, and we it's not offensive because this book was not written in an offensive way. But there are so many trigger warnings. There are so many heavy issues in this book that is really rough.
1: Yeah. So as Meg mentioned, the sister has agoraphobia.
0: Yes. So Serena is living with her sister who has agoraphobia. So her sister has never has not left the house
1: in 15, 20 years. Well, like, she left the house to go get Serena from the train station and almost had a nervous breakdown.
0: Right, exactly. So she leaves the
1: house occasionally, but it's, like, a very traumatic experience.
0: Yeah. Um, and I, I get it. This, it's not like it's super well understood in Victorian times. But Serena is not exactly mm, sympathetic to... No, she describes
1: her sister as crazy.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, and she also refuses to call her sister by the name she wants to be called.
1: Which is so weird. Her sister's name is Francesca. hmm And she calls her Frankie? Yes. Or Frank? I can't remember. Yes.
0: And Francesca does not. She's, she has asked her several times not to call her that.
1: Yeah. But she doesn't listen and continues to ignore it for no reason. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'm not. That's my question, too. Is like, why is that included in this book? You know what I mean? I don't know. It's It was odd. I didn't know if it had meant to be developed further and wasn't, or... I, I don't know. It seems like the sort of plot point that would be used to fill up
1: pages in a novel.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And but it, was it really a, in a novella?
0: Yeah. So I didn't know if maybe they had meant... Maybe she meant it to be a full-length novel, and then she didn't. I don't know. I thought it was odd to be... I thought it was odd, number one, to be included at all, and then number two that it wasn't really resolved in a satisfactory way. Right. Um, so that was in there. I mean, so clearly we talked this
1: about it. It's very rape-centric.
0: Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's the entire turning point of the plot.
1: Well-handled, but depressing. But I would acu- actually argue that a plot point that's not super well handled is um, Hugo's dad beats his mother to death and it's implied it's when Hugo runs away. Mm-hmm. So Hugo feels a lot of responsibility for this happening. Yeah. Not a lot of time is spent on it. It's just, like, generic abusive backstory, but ramped up to 11 because the mom died from it.
0: Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Hugo ran away because his father was abusive. So it's not like... I,
1: it, The only parts I think because of the abuse and because he realized his only option if he stayed was a lifetime in the mines. Yeah. And he was like, "Well, my dad sucks, and I don't want to die in the mines, so." Probably should take off. Yeah.
0: But then he wasn't around to protect his mom.
1: And she, it's the description in the book just to like underscore how traumatic this is, is that while he fled, he heard her screams in the. Yeah. And it's implied that this was when she was beaten to death.
0: Yeah. And that we really, the only only reason he escaped is because his mother sacrificed herself for him, sort of. Yeah. So, yep. That's in there. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, So, I, I do think that this book has some important conversations about what is rape because Serena herself doesn't classify what happened to her as rape. In fairness, the word rape isn't really used. In lieu of rape, they use the term
1: forced on.
0: Yeah. Was Did he force himself on you? Yeah. And she said, well, no. I mean, obviously he he did, because he went to her room and said, if you scream, I
1: will get you fired. Um, but her argument to herself... Which is the patriarchy made manifest is that she didn't fight
0: back. She said, "Well, I should have screamed anyway because, Wait. yeah." Nope. So I I think it's an, an important conversation, and I did like that it was included here, uh, and I thought it was really important that Hugo unequivocally was like, "Well, no, he this obviously was not a consensual encounter. <laughs> it wasn't rape." So I think that was. I just want to put that in there that I thought that it was very important, and it was well done.
1: So, serious question.
0: hmm
1: Who's the audience for the average romance novel? I mean, like, are you preaching to the choir by putting this in the text?
0: I don't know.
1: That's Neither. a really good question.
0: I mean, I think that there are young women who read these
1: books. Sure, sure, sure. I'm not saying that, like, it delegitimizes the need to put it in text. I'm just wondering.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really good question. I don't know. I don't know. Um... I, I do think that these books are used as sex education. Some people use them as sex education. They are not used like in classes for sex education. No, but no, you mean but people, that's still alarming? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that it's not. But I also think that there, there could be someone out there where this is the first time they've seen that argument, you know? So I don't think that it's always 100% preaching to the choir. This is a free novella with some sex in it on Amazon that someone could just download and be like, hmm, you know, sure. this is important. So that's what I mean by I think these are important conversations. And I think it's good that we have Courtney Milan out there. Mm-hmm. But um, doesn't make it easier to read.
1: Yeah. Um, so... Looking past the three major social issues that this 150-page novella tackles, was this book sexy?
0: So I did find this book sexy. I know that Lane does not agree with me.
1: I think conceptually, I get why the sexual activity and the like bartering over hairpins as a way to ease her comfort was like in theory sexy but for me all of those the emphasis on consent and the sex games to bring additional consent into it were just a constant reminder of her rape yeah and this might also be because while crying over her rape while begging him to have sex with her, she does tell him, I need you to have sex with me so I stop only picturing his body over me. I want to picture your body instead. Yeah. And so I read that as, I want you to fuck the rape trauma out of me. And that made me uncomfortable and sad. And so the whole scene, while the individual actions, some might view as very sexy. I just viewed it as a constant reminder of the trauma and was chugging a full glass of wine while I read it.
0: I, I was like waiting to see how you would describe the sex scene. <laughs> so I personally find it quite sexy. I really like the emphasis on consent. Mm-hmm. It does not bother me that she said, yeah, my last sexual experience was real shitty. So I would like a good sexual experience as proof that that sex can be nice. But the her specific
1: wording of it was a problem.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I'm just letting you know, Lane and I are disagreeing on the sex scene. I There was one sex scene. Uh, I personally thought it was quite sexy. Lane did not.
1: I will say, if this exact scene, the way he's trying to make her more comfortable had been employed, if this was like a marriage of convenience and she's a virgin plot point, I probably would have found it really hot. Yeah, it's because the reason for it was rape, and then I was thinking about rape that I found it not hot.
0: Yeah. Um, So what happened? Like, why are we? What are we talking about? What device? So what happens is um, she has her hairpin. So he takes her hair down and gives her her hairpins, and she cries for a while. Right. But so um, he he's like, okay, if you really want to do this, you know, I don't want to. Traumatize you or, or, or make you feel uncomfortable. So what will happen is, um, you will give me a hairpin, for every, and you will tell me what actually you want me to do when you give me this pin. Mm-hmm. And so and uh, the reverse there,
1: is, he then can give the pins back to her. Yes. But he can only tell her things she can do to herself. Yes. He can't purchase, for lack of a better word, with the hairpins acts that he can do to her.
0: Mm-hmm so it's a huge emphasis on on consent and on her taking control of her sexuality, her body, and um, what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought it was quite sexy. Uh, I also like how, so yes, it starts out as this explicit, you know, give me this thing and you explicitly, you tell me exactly what you want me to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, of course, by the end, she's not saying, "Okay, here, here's a hairpin. You may now thrust." You know what I mean? It's like not like that, right? Right. Um, there's an evolution here. She's like, "Okay, now I'm comfortable. We don't need these hairpins." Or here, I'll give you all the hairpins, and you know what? I, I don't remember exactly how it plays out, but the hairpins. Oh, are they for just us. stop. They, instead yeah. of um,
1: hairpins, they just start trading requests back and forth. Right.
0: And so, so the, it, like, you organically,
1: know, need... becomes I make a request, you make a request.
0: Yeah. Uh, And I I just Liked it a lot Because you read You read places Where people are like oh what now I'm going to have to Ask every time I want to kiss someone Now I have to ask if I want to do blah 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 And it's like well no you don't have to You don't have to do that once you have the Baseline established then it's okay You know But also if you want to
1: ask every time It can be sexy in some contexts
0: It can be real sexy Um, I will just say, I have three examples for you. So we have The Governess Affair, we have Sweetest Sound we have The Wallflower Wager, all three of which books have this specific kind of sex scene, this specific kind of consent um, that starts out with, you tell me exactly what you want, or me asking, can I do this? And then it evolves into something else.
1: It really bothers me that two of those three are rape-based in addition to this one, though. So actually, actually all three of them are based
0: on some kind of sexual assault. Yeah. But they are all really good books that I personally really like. Lane has some issues, obviously.
1: (laughs) I wish consent was sexualized outside of trauma. Yeah. That's really, like, this isn't a particular critique of any one author, but just seeing you listing, like, the hottest sex consent is sexy books. And all of them emphasize success, consent. Post sexual trauma is really yeah, exciting. that's true. That's true.
0: But I, I think that we would recommend this book if you can handle really heavy issues in your romances.
1: I would completely agree with that statement. Yeah, you will constantly be distracted by like the past trauma of the character. This is. A well done book. Yeah, I will never pick it up again.
0: Yeah, I personally quite like it, so I do like this book. I have read it a couple of times, um, but I it's not something that I can just read anytime. You know, I do have romance novels that I can just read whenever I want, like um, "Romancing Mr. Bridgerton." I'm be like, yeah, I can read myself that book anytime. Like, there's no trauma in that book at all, mm-hmm. except for uh, like some minor bullying you know I'm like yeah give me that book um this is this book you have to be in the mood for I'll
1: take your word for it (laughs) well thank you so much for listening if you're enjoying enjoying the podcast podcast, so please rate review and subscribe